The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. It's magical and like a little bit baffling to feel like I have any like mental real estate in it in anyone's heads beyond just like the stories themselves. But I think it's very easy as a writer to stay humble because even when you're seeing incredible, shocking success, you're still just like at home with your books and your computer and like nothing really changes that much. I'm not like at the Met Gala, <laughs> like in Ohio on a laptop. Most years I post what I'm wearing the day of the Met Gala and it's like a half step away from like SpongeBob pajama pants with my Crocs, so. And welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. Number one New York Times bestselling author Emily Henry returned to chat with me about depressing first drafts what it's like to be a genre-bending commercial fiction superstar and her glittering new novel, Happy Place. Emily is the number one New York Times bestselling author of Book Lovers, People We Meet on Vacation and Beach Read, and has sold over 3 million copies of her novels. Her latest is Happy Place, an instant New York Times bestseller, and her first hardcover novel, described as a book about reluctant exes who make a pact to pretend to date during an annual friends trip. Author Taylor Jenkins Reid called it another knockout from the champ. The Washington Post wrote that the book blurs the lines between women's and literary-leaning commercial fiction, departing from the fantasy spaces of bodice rippers and misty moors to depict a world that looks a lot more like our own. Emily's books have been featured in BuzzFeed, Oprah Magazine, Entertainment Weekly, The New York Times, and many others. In this file, Emily and I discussed what it feels like to still be living inside a lightning strike. Why it's easy for her to stay humble as a writer. How to write rom-com at the top of reader's intelligence. Her take on superhero movie tropes. Why making a reader laugh is so much harder than making them cry. And a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. All right, we are back 
on the Writer Files. I am thrilled today to be joined once again by the number one New York Times bestselling author, Emily Henry is back. What is going on over there? Oh my gosh. <laughs> everything. Everything is going on over here. Um, but I'm very excited to be um, talking to you again. Yeah, this is cool. So about a year ago, we caught up. And um, of course, we were talking about book lovers and and the fantastic reception um, surrounding that launch and release. And of course, in one year, a lot has happened to you, I think. But yeah. um, congrats on the latest. And and if you would, I mean, kind of catch us up. Of course, I'll link to our original conversation. And this could be kind of the second part of that. And and I'll just remind you that, you know, we had just kind of talked about your feelings about what, what it was kind of like to what you had called living in a lightning strike. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, of course, it seems like you're kind of still living in this lightning strike. It really does. I mean, there's like a, you know, my the team of people around me, like we have so many ongoing email chains about like, various the various things that are unfolding and a lot of it at this point is just like caps lock cackling like it's just like i don't know i don't know it's 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 hard to take all of it in and you're just kind of in like a state of awe that's suspended over a very long time and um i mean with this one like i don't think anyone expected for it to feel like this bigger brighter thing than book lovers did and and now it kind of does <laughs> and it's it's very surreal i think um my editor was describing it as like you're standing at like the top of a tower on top of a mountain <laughs> and you're just like i didn't realize i could go any higher than this and you're just kind of constantly waiting for like things to even out um and this time i really am like this actually does have to be it like i think that it will kind of become a little bit more normal after this i like cannot imagine this continuing like this like it is just too it's too surreal it yeah i don't i don't i'm just in like kind of like suspended shock like i was saying <laughs> well congratulations i mean you, you should probably um, you. enjoy some time off or something but um <laughs> i'm sure that you're super busy and of course you know it, it it's at a place now I and mean, it must feel pretty good to hold the the hardcover right that's that's yeah. gotta be a, a sweet feeling for you because i know you, you you know again the title is happy place and of course um yeah that's that's a little bit different for you right yeah i mean like honestly when my publisher told me that they wanted to move me over to hardcover that was really intimidating like it was exciting because that's a vote of confidence but it's also intimidating because romance readers, which I've always kind of straddled the line of a few different genres, but romance readers are used to having just like ebook audio and uh, trade paperback. Like that's kind of the go-to, the standard because they're voracious readers largely. Mm. And like, it just has made sense, but um, I've always kind of straddled the genres and what I was doing with this one was pushing maybe a little bit more into general fiction, even though the love story is still like very central and very significant. Um, but yeah, I was, I was very nervous actually, um, <laughs> to see if readers would be willing to follow me into this space, like both the story and the fact of it being a hardcover, but I'm so, so, so lucky and, um, should have just trusted them. Like should have known that the readers would, would follow me and come through and support me because they always have. 
Of course, of course. Yeah, it's got to be kind of surreal now that your name is almost as big as the title. You're, you're... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. And, you know, because this is specifically the writer files, it's like probably an audience of people who understand that that's like a funny thing that happens in publishing. Whereas I'm not sure people outside of that know that that's a thing where you're like, eventually you're like, um, Stephen King, really huge. And then like some tiny little scribble of whatever his book is called. Um, Cause you're not, you know, you're like, I don't need to know. I see the name. So yeah, that is, that is also right. a huge compliment um, that they think my name like <laughs> yeah. means anything like that's, yeah, it's, it's very surreal. It's the writers like, I don't know. I don't even know if it's like a dream. It's like you, it feels so unattainable. So yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Um, well, I think it's kind of interesting that, um, of course, you've taken the mantle of the reigning queen of beach reads. And it must be kind of surreal to see, um, you know, all these adjectives, superstar, unputdownable, master. Um, and then I keep seeing glittering and sparkling. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, you know, um, for having attained this place, you, you just seem so down to earth and kind of humble about it. Um, Thank you. I mean, what, what else is going on over there? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I think it's it's really funny because, you, I mean, you know, pe nobody gets into writing thinking of themselves as being like a performer or like a public persona in any way. You're like, I'm at home reading, and when I'm not reading, I'm writing, <laughs> and it's just like books are my hobby and my job yeah. and like my passion. It's just everything. And it's really interesting how social media has shifted, like what a writer can mean to people or be to people. Because when I was growing up, I never once went to a single author event. Like, I don't think I, I, I mean, I lived in small town Kentucky, so probably there weren't a ton happening. But also, it just never would have even occurred to me. Like, I had so little interest in who was writing the books and I, the, what mattered to me was the books and really the story. Like I'm not really even precious with my books. Like I was such a library kid and I think that's part of it. And like you get the book, you absorb what's in it and then the book doesn't matter anymore. It's like the story's in your head. And mm. I mean, I don't think really that I, I don't know, like it, it is, it's, it's magical and like a little bit baffling to feel like I have any like mental real estate in it in anyone's heads beyond just like the stories themselves but i think it's very easy as a writer to stay humble because even when you're seeing incredible shocking success you're still just like at home with your books and your computer and like nothing really changes that much i'm not like at the met gala i'm like right. in ohio on a laptop <laughs> Yeah, I, I was going to ask if you got an invitation to the Met Gala, but... Um, Weirdly, no. Weirdly, <laughs> I have not yet. They must see that most years I post what I'm wearing the day of the Met Gala, and it's like a half step away from like SpongeBob pajama pants with my Crocs. <laughs> so maybe next year. SpongeBob pajama pants. Um, that's cool. So you still have those, and that's uh, another sign. Yeah. <laughs> To be clear, I don't have actual SpongeBob pajama pants, just many oh, okay. clothes in the spirit of that. Like it's like spiritually I do have those, but really I just have like, I don't know, knit mossy green pseudo sweatpants. I don't know. Just chaos. <laughs> Perfect.
Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Well, um, I can't wait to talk about the latest, of course, Happy Place. Um, you have talked about at length and kind of the conceit behind it, which is fantastic. But it's about a real ex-couple fake dating their way through an annual couples trip. And of course, that doesn't sum it up completely. But um, it's a fantastic, fantastic conceit. And t- talk a little bit about, yeah, the, kind of the genesis and the seeds of where this came from. Because I think the last time we spoke... You had already probably finished this and we're just kind of going through revision. So it was like, oh, okay, cool. This this sounds really, really fun and compelling. And of course, um, it's uh, far exceeded uh, your reader's expectations. But yeah, talk a little bit about kind of where, where the seeds of that genesis. and. Yeah. I mean, it's funny talking to you a year after the fact because I'm in the same place now for what will hopefully be my 2024 book. And, and as I'm talking about that, Um, I just keep having flashbacks to saying in probably our conversation, but at least in a lot of other conversations, like, theoretically, this book will come out next summer, because it really gave me such a hard time, like, Mm. every single step of the way, because like you said, it's like this very fun conceit, like, that's the whole thing. That's what drew me to it was this premise that's a little bit heightened reality and a little bit ridiculous. And um, it really came from partly from loving the 1940s comedy of remarriage movies that were um, really just, yeah, like ridiculous, absurd, funny, and like screwball. And I loved those Mm. so much. I loved the idea of taking this couple who's already fallen in love and fallen out of love and or split up and then forcing them together in some ridiculous scenario. And so 
that as a setup was like, okay, that works. I'm excited about that. Let's do it. And then when I got into it, I was like, oh no, this is very <laughs> sad. And I don't think the book honestly ended up that sad. I think it has like a, a, a nostalgia to it and a melancholy. And um, there's definitely more angst because it's these two people who have a lot of history and a lot of unresolved feelings. But it really, the first draft of this book was so much sadder than I wanted it to be and meant for it to be. And hmm. I had to keep going, like keep coming at the story over and over again, looking for a way in that wouldn't feel quite so, so heavy and so sad. But the thing for me is that like, even though I love tropes as a reader and a viewer, and I love playing with them as a writer, I can really only write things the way that I can write them. And so for me to write a love story I have to really understand and believe and buy into all of the characters' feelings. And so like having Harriet and Wynne, having been together for eight years in a very intimate relationship, having been engaged, having planned to spend the rest of their lives together before their breakup, I had to have a deep understanding and belief in the reasons that they broke up and then find a deep understanding and belief in the possibility that they could conceivably get back together and make it work. And all of that is like pretty heavy. Like it's pretty heavy stuff to think about a couple who's already invested that much time and energy, energy and love into a relationship for them to end that. It's like, it kind of takes either one really big thing or a bunch of small things and Either way, it's going to feel like pretty painful, even though the conceit of the book, like you keep, you know, like you pointed out, it's like it's supposed to be a little bit funny and um, absurd. And, you hmm. know, like by the end of the book, it was like I was doing draft after draft of just trying to find ways to bring in the humor of their situation. And I really ended up feeling pretty good about um, where I where I managed to sneak in humor and <laughs> levity. But overall, I'm like, yeah, these people are incredible incredibly angsty they're incredibly up in their feelings yeah well i mean lots of humor obviously i you know i kind of did want to ask about the humor piece because i think you know humor is some of the hardest to write because you know if you're not coming at it as you mentioned kind of like from a very honest place or from a very you know it it's hard to pull off i think you know and and, and a lot of writers fail um but there is something as you put it like very absurd about you know, the truth being stranger than fiction or, yeah. you know, um, the, these moments that we find ourselves in where, you know, we want to, we want to go to our happy place uh, to use the, uh, cliche, but, um, it, 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 you know, this is kind of your style, like you're turning these tropes on their head because, and I'll just read the Washington Post quote, yeah, which I thought was sure. great, you know, because they said, that the book blurs the lines between women's and literary-leaning commercial fiction, departing from the fantasy spaces of bodice rippers and misty moors to depict a world that looks a lot more like, well, our own. Um, Henry operates at the top of her and her reader's intelligence, telling sophisticated, heartfelt stories that are conscious of the romantic comedy conventions without being overly meta about them. Yeah, I don't know if you want to expand yeah. on that. That was cool. Yeah, I mean, I think... <sighs> I, I didn't really know when I started um, publishing in this like pseudo genre, like or genre, you know, multiple genres, whatever. I didn't really know how much I was going to end up feeling like I needed to be 
a champion for them because I think publishing and readers have come so far in understanding the value of a love story and um, that there's nothing like innately lesser or stupid or silly like about a story whose primary arc is just about people like finding love. Um, I didn't really know that that was still going to be such a like hot topic, but it's like interesting because now I've got like some adaptations in, in the mix. And so I'm hearing sort of the Hollywood end of the conversation. And I still also do get tagged in a lot of reviews from people who like, like the book, like the books that I'm writing, but who, while they're saying like that they love them, they still kind of feel the need to denigrate them and be like, well, even though this would never happen in real life. And to me, I'm like, well, it would, like it does. I think the reason that, that people love love stories is because it's so familiar and it's one of the few like real triumphs that you like get to witness in, in life. And it's rare. It's like, it's not common either to see a relationship that can um, weather this kind of thing. Like my parents got together when they were 17 and 19 and they're in their mid sixties now. And, or they got married when they were 17 and 19. Like they, they were together as teenagers. Um, And, and that to me is like, why would it like, yeah, this is such a rare thing. And when it's beautiful, it's so beautiful and it's so significant. And we take love very seriously in our own lives and think like, you know, love is the answer. Like it's the, it's the meaning of life. But for some reason, unless you kind of hide the story of a relationship in another genre, it's still treated like this really weird, like this niche thing that not everyone likes. And it's so interesting. Like I, again, like I'm part of other conversations now I'm seeing how people outside of publishing still look at this kind of story. And it's, been shocking and baffling because I think like the biggest movies of the last decade have all been Marvel movies and Mm -hmm. those are just straight up relationship movies like they are straight up the the thing the glue that holds them together is entirely just like cute friendships um Mm And then there are aliens and then there's like an even bigger alien and then an even bigger alien, whatever. (laughs) And, you know, I like those movies. I go see them. I have fun with them because they're sentimental and um, emotional and and the emotional arc is what's gripping you in, you know, in them in a way that like we haven't really seen like necessarily like seen many DC movies land in the same way because they're just like a little bit edgier and not quite so sweet and, so like based in the relationships, but I, I'm just really fascinated by the way that as soon as we like kind of center a woman and then the relationship has like romance in it. And then, and then especially beyond that, you're saying that the end of the movie will be hopeful or the end of the book will be hopeful, the end, whatever, any media. Then for some reason, there is this instant uh, decline in who is willing to buy into the story. And it's really strange. And like you were saying, humor is so much harder to write. Like I, like people generally all feel sad about the same things. Like I'll tell you Mm. this, I admitted this in an earlier interview. And so now I feel like the cat's out of the bag and I have to admit to this horrible thing that I did in the first draft of this book, but I was writing this, I was writing happy place and it was way too sad. 
And I had a dog die <laughs> in the book. And it wasn't like it died in a traumatic way. It was like shared dog who was such a significant part of their relationship. And they'd watched him get old and he was oh, dying. No. And it was something that they were like having to wrestle with as a split up couple. Like, what what are we supposed to do? Like, this is the whole, yeah. like, and my editor was like, are you, are you okay? And absolutely not. And she was right. And I took it out. And, and the, the point of that really had been like, this was how I was thinking about their relationship was like, this dog was sort of the whole thing incarnate, incarnate and brought to life. Um, and it was too much. It was too heavy. It had to come out it was not right for the book. But the thing is like, if you, you know how to make readers cry, like, you know how to make readers cry. You know what makes people sad. You make them love someone or love a dog and then you kill it. Like, like it's not that hard, I don't think, to make someone cry with, with like open constraints of I can do anything. There are no rules here. I can really like break, break your heart. I think to make a reader laugh or feel giddy or feel joyful and all of these other emotions, I think is so much harder. Um, and I think mm -hmm. they're all valid. Like you don't, we don't need every story to be everything, but it's just really interesting to be like, like, I mean, think of all of the very terrible, <laughs> very terrible comedies that you've seen in your life where you're like, maybe this felt funny when they were writing it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> it's just really, it's really strange to me that, that things that are kind of, privilege the idea of hope are yeah. somehow like yeah like just almost universally denigrated another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I could pick your brain about that all day. I'm sure we could uh, wax philosophical on that. Um, but I want to keep moving here. I want to um, talk. You had mentioned adaptation. So let's go there for a second because here's the here's a uh, on today.com. Okay, so, so the headline <laughs> was just first came Emily Henry's bestselling romances. Now come the movies. So, um, of course, on your Instagram, readers can check out the Insta. And uh, yeah, all the news is there. So yeah, let's talk about how exciting all of this news is because back in October um, of last year, it became news that People We Meet on Vacation was going to be turned into a movie. So talk about kind of the 
what what we can expect or news that you know and i and i know that these things kind of are always kind of a black box um yeah for, for authors and and very hopeful and you don't want to get people's yeah I mean, it's the kind of thing where everybody tells you not to get your hopes up. And then for a while, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get my hopes up. (laughs) And then I kind of had to come back toward the middle again again and be like, well, who knows? Because, yeah, like, as you know, every single author will tell anyone, like, you just don't count on it happening until you're sitting down in the theater with popcorn in your lap. Because, yeah just so many things can and do go wrong and things can move very, very quickly and then just be stalled for months. Um, so yeah, there is, but there also just isn't like right now, like I am used to there being like news that can't be shared until these announcements are made, but there actually isn't news that I like can't share. It's like things are moving still, but they're, moving slowly there's like a lot that goes (laughs) goes into an adaptation and then beyond that like the writer's strike just happened and so um i know we have scripts for uh two of the adaptations we do not have one for the other adaptation and even the, the scripts that we do have it's like you kind of want writers to be able like you kind of need writers to be able to adapt and make changes as, as right. things come up. And so we are going to be pausing and holding and waiting for studios to like agree to <laughs> pay their writers. Um, no, no. And so, yeah, everything's like kind of paused and like happy place. We were about to maybe start those conversations and, and then the writer's strike happened and we, d- you know, I'm not part of the WGA, but I am a writer. So I obviously have, every bit of empathy and support for my TV and uh, film writer friends and colleagues. So nothing will be happening with that for the foreseeable future. We're not going to try to move on it until um, the, the writers get what they're asking for. And then, and then we'll take that forward. And I'm really excited to be moving with that one too. But yeah, it's kind of just like a whole lot of hurry up and wait is how it always, how it always is. The script for people we meet on vacation is so phenomenal. And the woman who wrote it, Yulene Kwong, is also writing and directing Beach Read. And so I, she's really excited and raring to go as soon <laughs> as she can, but she just she can't right now while she's um, right. waiting. And yeah. um, I haven't read the book lover script, but my producer is really, really excited about it. And I, I will probably be, I don't know if I'll see a draft of that until after the strike is over either, but um, yeah, like lots of really, really cool things happening. Anything could still happen. They might all get made that none of them might get made. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm just going with going with whatever happens. Very cool. Well, you know, congrats on all of that. And obviously, you know, you stand in solidarity um, with the writers in, during this yeah. time. And um, yeah, um, fingers crossed that that all resolves yeah Um, sooner sooner rather than later and then we'll have more news and maybe next year we'll be talking about yeah um some bigger news but yeah that's very cool we'll also get to watch our favorite shows which is (laughs) another reason that that i would like this strike to end soon but thank you that's very kind yeah um well um having cracked the modern romance novel how, how are you feeling about your writing process because i know were, you said, as you mentioned, you're kind of in the same place as you were last year with your, your 2024 um, release. But um, yeah, we had just kind of talked about your writing process and how you wake 
and Wordle? Are you still, yep. how's your streak going? Are you, um, did you go today? It's good right now because I, <laughs> I had one of those days, you know, like the, the days where there's like 45 different words where the only thing yes. that changes is the first letter. And, <laughs> but you're like so sure you don't count them all out ahead of time. So you're like, I'm sure if I just guess all of these in a row, I'll get it in time, but you don't. And what you really needed to do was like have a word that was using all of those letters to figure out the, you know, anyway. So I'm, my streak is not very good right now. I think it's, I think I'm back on like day 10 or something, (laughs) but I am still also playing spelling bee after that and um, playing until I get to genius and then moving on. And then finally there's an, there's a game, there's an app on the game store game on the app store called spelling queen that is basically Ooh. spelling bee but a little bit harder honestly oh yeah cool i like I, I do the spelling bee too and um yeah i don't feel i don't feel like complete as a human being yes. until i've been until i've done those yeah are you still a cold brew and and chocolate oat milk lady i am yeah yeah i it's funny because I'm now to the point where if I drink regular coffee, I'm like, I have a tummy ache. Um, it's just like a fun development in my life that like I cannot, I basically cannot have real coffee or, you know, not cold brew anymore. So that's, that's going well. Um, all right. So are you still getting 2000 words a day? Yeah. I mean, when I'm drafting, when I'm not drafting, yeah. yeah, it's, it's anything could happen, but um, that is still how I draft. And then the editing process, I have not like cracked any new approach. It still feels like I, like when you're deep cleaning a room and you make the mistake of taking (laughs) everything out of every drawer and closet. And then you're like, Oh shit, I have to put all of this back. (laughs) That's still like, that's basically where I'm at right now in the process is that moment of, Oh no. Yeah. All right. Well, we, I know we got to wrap. I, of course, uh, we'll link to all the places, our previous conversation. So this will be a continuation of that. The second part of Emily Henry's uh, <laughs> meteoric rise. Um, but uh, no, really congrats on everything. Um, what do you want to leave us with? Uh, just kind of like, what are you working on? Or, what, you know, any words of inspiration for? Oh, words of inspiration. Um, don't have many of those. I will say that I am currently <laughs> reading um taylor adams the last word which is like a thriller about a person who leaves a one-star review for a horror novel and then maybe the writer is terrorizing her so i feel like that is it's like funny and like it actually really scared me in the first couple of chapters and then now it's kind of become funnier and um so that's something that i would i'd probably recommend to writers i think that most of most of us would get a kick out of it all right emily hey best of luck on your world tour that probably is never ending <laughs> but uh we'll link to all those spots and let you get out of here but uh hopefully you'll come back next year yeah thank you so much for having me kelton thanks so much for joining us for this file and if you're a fan of the show simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more that's writerfiles.fm <laughs>